Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside the building in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio for Texans All Access. And our Texans Training Camp live shows are done. We got done with those this morning. We'll be back at it Monday morning, 8 to 10 a.m. for Texans Monday, which happens every Monday after a Texans weekend, right? And we've got one this Saturday because the Texans are playing the Green Bay Packers at 7 p.m. Saturday night. It's live on ABC 13 and Sports Radio 610 and the Bull 100.3 FM and a lot of other places, but that's what you really need to know right now. You also really need to know that on tonight's program, we'll have the best of McLean from this morning, good oiler stories, as he hearkens back to his most memorable training camp ever in four decades plus of covering the National Football League. Coach David Culley is going to start us out. Later on, players, including but not limited to Rex Burkhead and Kiki QT will be on the show. But let's start it off with the coach. We had a nice visit with him this morning. Coach Culley, who kind of went off on his team a little bit Saturday night after some pre-snap penalties. They did better in Monday's practice, so he was happy about that this morning. Happier, anyway. It's all about consistency. And prior to that, we had not had that consistency enough. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, again, especially on offense, we saw that. We saw that from all three groups, from all three quarterback groups yesterday. And that's what their responsibility is, is to keep that going, to, to make sure that everybody's doing the right thing. And yesterday was the first day that I felt like we had done that. Coach, Saturday night, now look, we've, we've seen you, we've done a lot of interviews with you. We see you around the building. You never not have a smile. We always see you with energy and a smile. Saturday night, I know there were a few things that kind of got under your skin as a head coach, and you kind of got a little fired up. But it's got to feel good to kind of let that out. But Saturday night, where did that kind of all come from, where there were some false starts? And how frustrating is that from your perspective to kind of see those things happen, especially on a night like that? I saw bad football. Bad football will, will bring out a, 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 a bad attitude about things. Yeah. And and it happened. And I had seen enough of bad football yeah. at that point. You know, we're in training camp. We want to each day get better, get better, get better. I didn't feel like during that particular situation in that day that we got better from that standpoint. And then at, at that point is they needed to understand and needed to know that that's not acceptable. Yeah. And I think however I reacted, I, believe, <laughs> I think they got the message. Yeah, I absolutely. I can't believe I'm the guy who has to go glass half full here with Coach Cully. But, Coach, <laughs> they still pulled themselves out of some of those situations, though, right? Pre-snap penalty, but they still were able to pick up the first down. And I know you don't want to reward that necessarily, but it's nice to be able to see that they can handle that from time to time. That is correct, and that always starts with their quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And when those kind of things happen, you know, they're a coach on the field. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be out there. Yeah. This Saturday night. I'm not going to be out there on Sundays and Thursdays when we're playing. Right. So that's what their job is to do. And I felt like they did that, even when bad things happened. But, Mark, here's the thing about it, though. They did a nice job of pulling us out of holes. The point is we don't want to get in the hole. And <laughs> yeah. we got in the hole, and we got to make sure that we stay out of that hole. What they did tell me when we got in the hole, that it's the next play mentality. And those guys did that. What happened – in the past is in the past but you got to be able to go to that next play and move on and and play the game and then when it's all over we'll, we'll go back and make corrections of what needs to be corrected because you were asking your presser a little while ago about the progress of your quarterbacks and when i think about those quarterbacks i think about the word adversity 
what they've come from, done different things, whether it was in college for Davis coming here and he had injuries there. You know, Jeff trying to find the right spot for him. You know, Tarad, we, we've talked, you know, long about what he's had to go through. But how much has the adversity sort of helped the group of quarterbacks that you have here? Well, you're going to have adversity when you play this game. And when adversity comes from a quarterback standpoint is that that has to be wiped out in a hurry. Yeah. You know, just like me as a coach, you know, I, I make a bad decision. You know, I'm not going to sit here and think about what I just did. I'm going to go ahead and go on to the next play, do the next decision that has to be made. And that's the same way with our quarterbacks. And that's part of playing that position. And that's part of being a winning quarterback. And, and I feel like that we're headed in the right direction with all three of our guys that way. Coach, you've coached a variety of positions. What do you find yourself watching? And how important is it for you to coach your coaches? Because you can't dive deep into every situation, but you got to lead the leader, so to speak. What is that dynamic like for you? Well, before I get out on the football field, they understand exactly what we want done mm-hmm. as a staff and to a man. And what happens is when they get out here, they all, they're all different. They all have their own way of doing things. I had my way when I was an assistant coach of this is how I wanted to get things done. And it's the same way with those guys. They know what the big picture is. The big picture is we want consistency. The big picture is that we want those guys hustling every play. We want those guys doing the right thing consistently. However, your style of coaching is to get that done, you get that done. But we know the big picture. We're all on the same page of being the big picture. All right, Coach, I know you have themes for the team, and we've seen it because you have team, 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 T-shirts. It's all around the, it's all around the building. I got a new one for you. Yes. Every rep matters. <laughs> Every rep matters. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We have another one in there that you, you all have seen. It all matters. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. It I, all matters. <laughs> and I say that, Coach, because we were talking about the defensive line, and I don't know, there's 15 guys. And watching all 15 guys, I'm like, man, I, I can make a case seemingly for all 15 guys making the squad. And I know all 15 aren't going to make it. And it got me thinking about the reps that guys will get through these three preseason games and your young guys and how much that benefits them. But thinking through that particular process, how difficult is that to try to figure out, okay, we want to give these guys this number of reps, these guys this number of reps. We're going to give them more reps in week two. How do you kind of go through that process? How tough is that process to figure out? Who gets those reps in the games themselves? Well, the fortunate thing for us now as opposed to last year is we have three preseason games. Yeah. When you don't have those games, mm. it's a little bit tougher to make those decisions. You yep. make those decisions based off what's happened in practice. Having those three preseason games in game-type situations, yep. I've always felt this way throughout my whole career, is that when you've got a, a bunch of good players and you have to make a tough decision on whether a player is the right guy or not as opposed to this player, it always irons itself out, and that's always a good thing to have. Yeah. You don't want a situation where you know <laughs> it's this guy, it's that guy. Yeah. This guy's got no chance. And the situation that we're in right now is we have a bunch of guys that basically we're going to make it a hard decision on us to be able to make decisions on it. But here's the thing about that. When, when you've got a group like that or you've got people like that, then what ends up happening is if it doesn't happen here, it's probably a pretty good chance that it could happen someplace else. Yeah. Uh, Coach, how do you carve up playing time or rep time in practice? Because i got to imagine Frank Ross feels like the whole practice should be special teams, or, or <laughs> each of the coaches feels this way about their particular unit. But special teams is like that. For me, I feel like a lot of time is given to special teams. So how do you divvy it up? Well, he has a certain amount of time. Uh-huh. And to your point, 
it's not enough. But as I, as, as I sit down with Frank and we're starting to talk about it, Frank, this is what you got. Coach, I need this. I need to do this. Frank, this is what you got. Yeah. Figure it out. I'm going back to, again, you talking about coaching your coaches. Yeah. You know, listen, you got, you got 10 minutes here. You got 10 minutes there. Figure it out. Get done what needs to get done. And they're always work it out. Because you get a moment. I saw Robert Sala say this. He was a he'd been assistant for his entire career. Then he's the head coach, and they, you know, double horn hits or the you know practice is over. And Sala said his first practice, he kind of just waited, kind of near the back, and waited for the head coach. He was like, "Wait a second, I'm the head coach. I got to go talk to him." <laughs> have you had a moment like that where you're like, "Wait a second, hey, I'm the head coach. I got to go talk to." You. Did, have you ever had a, Have you had a moment like that since you've been here? The first moment I had like that was the first practice I had here. Yeah, the first practice I had here when we came out and we came out of stretch. I says, where do I go? You know, I mean, where do I go? I always knew where to go before when I was a position coach. And the first thing I did when I was here is I said this. I says, I know I've coached offense my whole life. I went directly to the defensive field, you know. (laughs) So, but my point was, and from there, I started going all the way around. Because here's what you got to remember. When you've been an assistant coach as long as I have and now in this position. I'm the head coach of the football team, not any position. And I'm not an offensive coach or a defensive coach. You know, I'm the head coach of the Houston Texans. Yeah. And all of those positions out here are Texans. And so I'm going to make sure that they know that I am the head coach, mm-hmm. not an offensive coach. Yeah. There's an old saying, it's lonely at the top, but the service is better. Yes, so. you exactly couldn't have said it better, Mark. <laughs> so I've got one more non-football for you, Coach. There are a lot of people like over the age of, let's say, 40 listening. And we may or may not be over the age of 40. Maybe. Uh, but. <laughs> To what do you attribute your energy? Because it's palpable. Everybody sees it. Everybody feels it. How are you so energetic at 65? Dare I say that? How does this happen, Coach? Well, listen, I have been very blessed. Mm-hmm. I have not had a job in football in my life. Okay. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. This is a passion for me. And to be able to, at 65, as you say, continue to do this as a head coach in this business First of all, I couldn't be in a better place than where I'm at right now. At this point in my career, it is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm going to take this thing, and I'm going to take it as long as I can take it and do the things that I need to do, all the things that I've been doing, because I love what I do. It's a passion, and I wouldn't want to do anything else. Not only would I not want to do anything else, I don't know what to do with anything else. <laughs> coach, thanks so much for being with us. Good You're luck welcome. Today. Welcome uh, to both of you. Thanks, all coach. right. There's Coach David Cully. Now, as promised, the General John McClain joined us as well, and we reminisced about training camps of yore, old day stuff, as John Harris asked him a key question to start us off. John, is there a training camp that stands out over the 44 while we're here? Is there one that stands out more than any other? Remember, oh, man. I remember this was going on. Maybe it was 93 when this team was, when the Oilers were just kind of a, <laughs> they were kind of a mess with Buddy coming in, all that. Do you have one that you remember more than any other? I do. The first one in 1977 in Nacogdoches where 36 players spent a night in the hospital getting IV. Oh. And uh, <laughs> the bosses sent me up and said, don't come back without a story on Dan Pastorini and Jaws Hardeman. And I knew Hardeman wouldn't be a problem because he talked to a corpse. <laughs> but Dan hadn't talked since the previous season. And and so uh, I went up to him and uh, after practice introduced myself, asked him if I could get a few minutes with him. And I thought he'd say no, but he said, sure, meet me in the lobby tonight when I get out of meetings about 
9.30. So I got there early in case he was early. And then he wasn't on time. And then I was about to leave. Here he came carrying a six-pack of beer. We went over to the table in the corner and sat down. And he just was as good as any interview I've ever had. It was like he cut a vein and bled. And it wasn't because of me. It's just because he had a lot of things he wanted to say about what had happened to him that off season, And I told Dan, gosh, 30 years later, maybe later than that, that if he hadn't done that interview with me and I had not been able to come back and bring the guys more than they thought, I might never have been on the Oilers full time. And so I thanked him. Of course, he didn't remember that. But uh, I remember that. <laughs> I remember in the first time I went to dinner and the players had to sing, their rookie tight end, Jimmy Giles, would not sing. And Steve Kiner, linebacker, went and jumped and slid across the dinner table and tried to fight him. Everybody <laughs> pulled Kiner off of him because Giles would have killed him. And then a year later, Bum Phillips traded Giles as part of the package to Tampa to get the first pick in the draft to, to uh, select Earl Campbell first overall. And uh, another thing is weird. They had a guy in the front office named Adrian Burke, a great Baylor quarterback. And those dorms, oh, my God, they were terrible. Things that they had to do back then, not to mention eight weeks of camp, six preseason games, oh. two a days from the first day of camp, plus you full contact because that's how they wanted you to get in shape and toughen up. But So I'm walking into a dorm, and I'm looking for a bathroom, and it's a community bathroom, and there was Adrian Burke sitting on the toilet reading a chronicle, and there was no door on his stall. <laughs> and I walked down, and I knew who he was. He had a big old head of gray hair. So my dad goes, when I told him about being there, he was so excited because he was a diehard football fan. He said, have you seen Adrian Burke? I said, yeah, I saw him. What was he doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't want to tell him, so I made up some story about Burke throwing, like Nick Casario, throwing passes uh, before (laughs) the arm that he used to show off at Baylor. And that camp, they asked me to sing. The veterans did. And I got up there. And I, and the truth is, they thought I was being belligerent. I was so nervous, I forgot the words of the good old Baylor line. And they started throwing food at me. And I specifically remember looking up and seeing two guys stand up and wind up and throwing rolls at me. And both of them ended up becoming general managers in the NFL, <laughs> Green Bay's. Ted Thompson and Tennessee's Mike Reinfeld. Jeez, no wonder so why you had such one, good relationships with those guys. They threw rolls at you. That one was uh, that was the most memorable. And I had many more. Having training camp on the road, where everybody builds camaraderie, yep. spend so much time together, so much better than having it at home. I tried to get Bob McNair the first year to go to Trinity in San Antonio, which is the best place any team could ever have training camp. But Bob didn't want to leave, he said, when he's trying to create interest here. He didn't think it was right to leave town, and it worked out so well they never did. But uh, always, the, it was the media camaraderie. We would go out at night at, when Jack Pardee was the head coach and they were in San Antonio. He'd have a 7 a.m. practice and a 7 p.m. because of the heat. So after the morning practice, we'd go play 18 holes of golf and then come back and take a nap, eat, write our stories, have everything done by the night practice, and then after the night practice, Dale Robertson and I would play tennis for a couple hours, and then we'd go out uh, and have a few beers. So it was 
today I'm lucky to get to my car after practice, <laughs> much less do things like that. Well, General, you talked about you got your stories written. Nowadays, after practice, you're doing a podcast, you're doing a video, you're probably writing two or three stories, whether one's for the paper, one's for you know, Cron.com. What's the difference in the actual content output you're doing then versus now? Well, you total up everything. Like I do takeaways every day, my yeah. five observations on camp like you do and i'm mine are usually like 35 inches today i wrote about 37 inches and i'll write a column now that brooks Cabina's here he's the new beat writer working with me brooks does a feature and he does notes and so we and we did a video afterward with our great photographer brett coomer we also uh recorded a podcast yesterday brooks and i and so uh, we stay busy all day. Mm-hmm. We're in the old days, as long as you got it in by, you know, you could have time to do anything you wanted during the day. As long as you get your stuff in 6 or 7 o'clock, they were happy with it. Back then it was write it or read it, meaning getting scooped. And now it's tweet it or read it. And uh, that's why I had to give up golf. This is a 24-7 business now. I can't be on the golf course having my phone on, worried about somebody calling or texting because wow. something has happened with the Texans. So it's 24-7. I'm, I like it. I've adjusted to it. But you can't beat the old days. I'd love to be able to, after practice, go play where I couldn't play 18 holes of golf today. I probably couldn't play one hole. But it would it'd be nice to have the oh, opportunity yes. to do that and come back and shower, relax, oh. and then go write your stories. That would be bliss. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Greenbrier was pretty good. I played once per year. At the Greenbrier. Played the old white course once per year. So that was pretty good. Would anyway. you guys like to be back there? Heck yeah. Uh, I would, too. Off the record, love that yes. Place. On the record, yes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> would love to be at the Greenbrier. I like it. For, from our point of view, General, and look, we kind of went kicking and screaming. And I know that the fans in Houston, it's great to be able to come out yeah. here. And it's easier for the media at large to cover it here. But it was so special to be there. You know how the players were all fresh after practice. The interviews, I thought, were better just because they weren't out in the heat. You know, they, they got done with practice. They're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> it was, you know, they're doing pretty well out here. Don't get me wrong. But I just think it, it's a different vibe. It's probably better for them to bond. And I know 17 wasn't a great year for this team. Quarterback got hurt. 18, though, you know, they won, what, 11 games in 2018 yeah. after going to the Greenbrier. That was pretty good. The Saints, though, three years in a row, seven wins tops each of those years. Ever since they left the Greenbrier, they've been winning double digits per year. So I, I don't think that has – I don't know if that's a, a correlation or causation, but that is definitely a factor. That's something Texans to bring up. If had a losing season in 18, I was going to write about the curse of the Greenbrier. <laughs> and one of the things I liked, of course, like you guys, the weather. You know, yeah. we had to wear long sleeves, and we'd have bursts oh of rain gosh. in the mountains. And Pull over. Bob McNair wanted to go. Rick Smith wanted to go. Bob told me it cost $4 million to do it, but he was happy to pay it. And then Bill didn't like it for whatever reason. He didn't, it wasn't that. I think he just didn't like uprooting everybody. Mm. And then when the Patriots came in and they had their joint practices, I was wondering, who's that guy out there throwing the ball around? acting like he's a quarterback and he weighs about 160. <laughs> and they said, oh, that's Nick Casario. I said, oh, okay. He does this all the time, every day. And uh, so it was fun. I know the Cal McNair and his family liked it. And I told him, I said, Cal, you're the owner. Make him go back. But he wants to do – he'll always do what his coach and GM want to do. And plus the people up there had got such a big kick out of having the Texans there. And they treated us like royalty. And plus Lewisburg – was a really neat little town. Yep. 
I liked it a lot. And I've told a lot of people, if you're in the area, go to Lewisburg, West Virginia. It is fabulous. It's not all like Morgantown with a guy walking around in a coonskin cap and <laughs> a long rifle from the 1800s like the West Virginia mascot. Oh, my gosh. And you don't have to go to the Greenbrier. Exactly. I mean, there's so many I other things. I only went one time for a media dinner, and it was great. But, yeah, it was great. And but I love the flowers. But when I got close to it, of course, you guys have no problem with this. I just thought it was way over my head. You know, I wasn't worthy to be at the Greenbrier. Oh, I. Oh, you, know, you kidding? I, we I felt, didn't stay I there. Felt like an interloper. Yeah, I didn't stay there either. But we used we used the facility. Y'all had a house, right? Yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. you know, I don't know a hundred year old house uh, that definitely had someone locked in the basement. Um, There's in no downtown doubt about White that. Sulphur Springs. It was haunted <laughs> and. Yeah, there were noises coming. I was like, oh, it puts the lotion in the basket. I mean, it was there was something going on in that basement, and it was locked. So I never, you know, I never went down there, uh, but I'm still curious about it. We had a house. We They, they called it the bro house because it was all the young guys. Well, after about 10, 12 days after my family had been there, they put me in the bro house. And we're, I don't know, I was there for about three or four days. So before practice one day, this woman is in the tent, and I'm like, man, she looks familiar. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's Laurel D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni's wife. Yep. And so I had been running, and running in West Virginia is a whole different animal. Because here, it's flat. You just run. Yeah. You run there, and you're running up hills and down hills, and so you got to kind of plan it out. Like, okay, I'm going to walk down <laughs> this know hill. Where you're going. Like, it's, so I'm talking to her, mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah, we're, she kind of points over at us. She, we, have, we have a house over there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're staying over there. It's like, where are you guys? And she goes, oh. Well, we had this house kind of right off the whatever green. It was it literally was off like the 13th green of Old White. And I was like, man, there's this beautiful like stone house over there. Like, she goes, oh, yeah, that's us. Yeah. We were literally around the corner from the D'Antonis. Now, there was this point where when you went around the corner, it sort of changed. <laughs> yeah. So our house wasn't quite like that house, mm-hmm. but it was, it, was, it was awesome. We had a great time. I think the weather was such a, such a big factor. It was just to be up there, and it's 75 degrees in the day. Everybody's in a good mood Everybody. all day, every day. Yeah. And yeah. the work you get. Even a, Bill. From the players, you know, the last 15, 20 minutes of practice sometimes, they're, they're just trying to survive here. But you felt like the last 15, 20 minutes, they felt pretty good. Yeah. You know, they weren't dying in the heat. And you just talked to the vets that had been here for so long and then got a break to go up there. They were like, wow, this is this is so good. It was the best media setup I've ever seen because they had the stands in the end zone. Yeah, right. And Mark Berman and I would go up to the top, and we'd look down on both fields, and we got we'll both of our binoculars, yep. and we had our notepads taking notes, and it was just perfect. Yep. Perfect. It was, uh, it was a magical place, and you never know what happens in Memo the future. Memo to Cal McNair. All right, what are you looking go for today? Go back to the Greenbrier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, General. What are you looking for today at practice? Well, 10.30, 11.30, I'm going to be looking at Landry Locker and John Lopez. Okay. By the way, the only bad meal I had in the Greenbrier mm-hmm. in the whole experience was a place recommended by Lopez, and he still can't believe I don't like it. <laughs> I, don't, the, I remember mm-hmm. that biscuit in the, in the name, and it was so bad, Brett Coomer mm-hmm. and I walked out. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm looking at young guys, don't really care about the older guys. There's so many of them. I'm fired up about new players. Guys on one-year contracts. You know, I, I figured out the other day, of the 53 new players at the last time I looked, 30 or have at least five years of experience. Yeah. So that is going to be fun to see how these guys are going to go at it. Mm. Full speed, every chance they get because they're playing. 
for money. They're and they're play- not they're yeah. not old. They're not in the thirties. They got another contract they're going to get. A lot of yep. 27, 28-year-old yep. guys here, no doubt. General, thanks a lot for being with us. Thank you guys very much for having me, as always. There's the General John McClain. And coming up, Max Sharping. He's going to join us. Look, we're getting close to the Packer game. That means it's time to check in with a Green Bay native. Kiki QT on the show as well. Desmond King, Rex Burkhead, and more coming your way on Texans All Access. We're four days away from the preseason opener when the Texans take on the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Now, two years ago, as we've been discussing, you remember the Texans went up there for some joint practices and played their preseason opener against Green Bay at the time. Quarterback in that game, Joe Webb, the whole way as Watson didn't start and then A.J. McCarron got hurt. They went with Webb for the entire game in that preseason opener. Well, Saturday night, You'll likely see Terod Taylor. You'll likely see Davis Mills, Jeff Driscoll. We'll see how they divide those reps up. And Max Sharpie is going to play as well, of course, on that O-line at guard somewhere. And we don't know how many reps yet, but he'll be playing in front of the home fans for the second time in his career. That was his very first NFL game of any kind, taking on the Green Bay Packers up there. So Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with him about that, among other things. Texans going to be playing against your hometown team. Who's going to be the loudest member of your family up in the stands? Uh, my mom. Your mom? 100%. What sort of stuff is she going to scream? God only knows. <laughs> I mean, it's not your, it's not embarrassing because it's your mom, but is it, is it on the verge of embarrassing sometimes? No, I'm good. I mean, I've, uh, I've had it all the way since high school. Yeah. So they used to televise our high school games, and they were my parents always sat in the top row right underneath like the press box where they were filming. So all of my extended family, if they watched, could hear my mom and dad screaming. What were they yelling? I don't know. I never listened. I was playing, so I have no idea. How many people from your family are going to be at this this game? Because last time we were there, which was two years ago, there was a big section of Sharpings. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if it will be as big, but I'm quite sure a lot of people will be there. So I I don't want to give a guesstimate, but it, it might be pushing 100 again. That's awesome. You know, your mother and father probably deserve producer credits for the preseason game that we did two years ago because they told us, A, where they were going to be, but B, where they are going to pregame beforehand at the house catty corner. We got some nice footage there. Shout out to the Sharpings. We appreciate you. Uh, checks in the mail, courtesy of not me. Okay, <laughs> football-wise, how are you different as a player right now versus, you know, what, what we saw in 2020? I think it's just, you know, every single uh, offseason and training camp, you're trying to work on a couple things. And, you know, we had more time in the facility this year. And with, you know, a new line coach coming in, it's just a little bit uh, a change of you kind of look inwards and then outwards to the whole group as well. And I think, uh, you know, Coach Campen's doing a great job of just telling us, uh, you know, what, what we should be working on each day and then as a unit how we can collectively get better every single day because, I mean, offensive line is, is five and one, not, not one and five. So. And how enthused and how optimistic are you that this offensive line will be better? Because it's, there's a lot of differences. There's still some similarities. But it does look on paper like you guys are going to be better. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows, obviously, going into the year. That's what we're aiming for. Obviously, you always want to get better. So uh, hopefully as a, as a group we can gel, find uh, you know our spots, everyone, where we're going to end up going into week one of Jacksonville. Is it interesting playing for Coach Campen now, knowing that he was the O-line coach there in your hometown for all that? I mean, I don't, I don't know that there are many 
assistants that had longer tenures with the Packers than he did. Yeah, I don't think so. I think he's probably the longest. Um, and we've talked about it. Actually, the first time I spoke with him, he brought it up. He was like, oh, yeah, which, which high school did you guys go to? And he was like, I was like, oh, Southwest. He was saying his daughters went to Bayport, which is, you know, the powerhouse now in Green Bay. So I was like, oh, man, no, I'm kidding. No, so it was cool. You know, obviously it's nice to be able to relate uh, to your coach and have something to talk about, get to know them on a personal level. So that way your relationships gets better on and off the field. He's a big wrestling fan. If you were a wrestler, what would your signature move be? Oh, gosh. Are you a wrestling fan at all? Uh, were you? I was never actually a big wrestling fan, so I don't really know. Let's I mean, move you on. Come on, you could, you could make one. Uh, what, what do you think? To the max. I'll do go that. To the max, so just all the way up and down? Yeah, it's not very not very creative as choppers go by. I don't, yeah, they're not looking for us. They moved okay, on. Good. Uh, it's good. good. Do you really have three puppy dogs, or did you recently get three puppy dogs? We did recently get three puppy dogs, and I think at home currently there are five dogs at the house. Whoa, how um, So we are starting, well, slowly starting, but we're going to start Foundation and a rescue called Stay Sharp Rescue. So look it up if you guys want. S-C-H-A-R-P, not just S-C-H-A-R-P, like the last name. Uh, so... That's, you know, it's really cool. My fiance and I, my fiance Cass, we're huge animal lovers. Both had dogs our whole life, so we're starting with dogs. And we were originally just looking for a puppy just to have for ourselves. And we stumbled upon our first puppy that we ended up with, Briggs. And she, along with her six siblings, were found uh, living underneath a house. So we ended up fostering three of them and uh, moving them on to different houses. And we just kind of kept going from there. Just kept on trying to foster and find puppies good houses. That's wonderful, man. Congratulations on that. Well, we got to wrap this up, but stay sharp, S-C-H-A-R-P. That's cool. So, holy cow, five puppies, do you sleep at night? Uh, yes, actually, very well. They're very good puppies. So right. uh, we, we got them crate trained, so that was, that was key. Well, Max, we got to get you together with the punter, Cameron Johnson, because he's involved we, as well. We have talked, actually. We have talked, so we're, we're already in cahoots. Not a surprise. This is one of the smartest members in the building, so of course he's you know seven steps ahead. Hey, Max, always good talking with you. Can't wait to see you out on the field, and uh, best of luck. Appreciate you, Drew. Drew Doherty and Max Sharping in advance of the Texans taking on the Packers at Lambeau Field. Now, many new Texans on this roster. I think the count is 53, actually, and Kamu Grugier-Hill is one of the players. I had a chance to interview him, but D.P. Sidhu also caught up with him in the Deep Slant interview presented by Xfinity. Let's listen in. I know you had said you always want to play football in Texas, so now that you're here, I mean, it's a little different from Hawaii, yeah. but how are you liking camp so I love it. I love it, you know. Coming out here, being with the guys again, and, and just, you know, the team we got, the locker room we have right now is something special, so I'm loving it. All right, you get to play in Lubby Smith's defense, which I know you were super excited about this offseason. How has it been for you so far acclimating this defense? I know it's a very linebacker-friendly defense, mm -hmm. so how is it for you? It's good. I mean, there's a lot of learning curves, and, you know, with any defense, uh, any new system, you got to go through the growing pains. But, I mean, we're loving it. We're flying around out here. We're uh, making plays, so. I'm loving it for sure. It's year six for you. You're six, mm -hmm. right? So year six for you. Have you ever played in a defense similar to this? I know you've played for a lot of different teams in the past. Yeah, no, not at all. This one this one is very, like you said, linebacker friendly. We, we get to kind of just, you let your character show a little bit, and, and they allow you to kind of just be the player you are. All right, and tell us a little bit about what your character looks like. Mm -hmm. What sort of player are you on the field? What do you bring to this linebacker? I love to just fly around. I think, you know, I, I take my speed to the game. Um, I take pride in, in being a really good coverage linebacker and um, just, just flying around the field. So we got a bunch of guys that can do that um, in the room, too. So, I mean, it's going to be a fun year. 
All right, you said you're a speed guy, so I'm intrigued. How do you work on your speed, and, and when did you decide that that was going to be uh, your thing? Were you like a big <laughs> runner or something growing up? No, no, I mean, I just, once I got to college, I just, people were beating everyone in races, so then I was just like, okay, you know, that's the strength of mine, so, uh, you know, you just kind of grow around that, and just the more you play the game, you you learn, you know, just more about yourself and ways you can better yourself during the game. I know you have so many teammates across the league that you're now friends with and know about, so I want to ask you about a few of them. Kaimi, Fairbairn, yeah, yeah. another fellow Hawaiian. How cool is it to be on the same team with It's him? actually crazy because me and Kaimi were went to, we're same class and um, played at rival high schools together. So during high school, we played each other like six or seven times, but we actually never like hung out or anything until now. So it's kind of cool to, to finally be with him and, and, you know, build that friendship. I bet you guys know so many people in common, right? Oh, because yeah. it probably wasn't a big yeah. fraternity of guys. In exactly. Common. And like, the you know, Hawaii, it's it's not as small as you think, but like Hawaii sports and like the professional athletes in Hawaii all kind of band together. So um, we, we definitely have uh, mutual friends. All right. So it's a lot of new guys that have joined this squad, but you mm -hmm. actually played with Shaq Lawson this mm -hmm. time last year with the Dolphins. So mm -hmm. what's it like joining a team where there are so many new players? Yeah. It was cool. I mean, having Shaq here, too, definitely helped, um, you know, because we already had that friendship and that bond from last year. But, I mean, like like I said, this locker room is special, you know. From the second I came in, we all just kind of clicked. We all, you know, came in OTAs. We are having barbecues and hanging out with each other and doing all kinds of things. So um, it's been it's been fun. All right, tell me a little bit about your volleyball career. I heard My you're really good. Career. You're a really good volleyball player in Hawaii. How does that help you as a linebacker? Does it help you? I don't think it helps. It's just something, it's just one of those things. I mean, growing up, like, me and my family would always go to the beach and just pop up volleyball nets and we just play. So then when I got to high school, I was just like, yeah, I might as well try. And, you know, it's it fun. Actually, my it's funny because my setter for uh, in high school is the setter for the Olympic team now. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So it's kind of cool to see him do his thing. Um, but it's fun. I, I want to push for you to be on that Olympic volleyball team. I feel like you still, you know, the D-line group used to play Foursquare really? in camp a long time ago. I feel like you need to push yeah. for uh, a volleyball. I think you, you know, we you'd be a stand. We might need to bring that back. You might need to bring it back. All right, how about preseason? I know it's just around the corner. You get to see some game action with this defense together for the first time. What are you looking to sort of accomplish in these next few games? I think, like I said, like, you know, we're going through some growing pains with just learning the defense. And I think just um, having actual preseason games and, you know, you get, you get a little monotonous going against each other and it's kind of boring. So, you know, going, going um, against another opponent and, and get, kind of just letting the defense play out and, and seeing some new things and letting the scheme do its thing um, um, and just playing is going to be fun. All right, looking forward to it, Kamu. Always a pleasure, and look forward to seeing you the rest of the year. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Kamu Grugier-Hill with DP Sidhu, and I told you, you want to get to know these new Texans. I mean, so many good guys on the team, interesting stories, and, hey, I want to see how they play. Saturday night, 7 o'clock, ABC 13, Texans at Green Bay, and right here, of course, Sports Radio 610 and the Bull 100.3 FM. Coming up, rapid fire, Desmond King. Hobbies, activities off the field. Drew catches up with him. Kiki QT and Rex Burkett as well. Rapid fire interviews next on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and company keeping you company on the ride home here on Texans Radio. Let's get to some rapid fire two minutes with a Texan type interviews here. Desmond King, new defensive back Drew Doherty, was asking him about some of his off-field activities, hobbies, interests. Video games. Like what? Uh, Call of Duty, Warzone. That's what I like. Over and over, you're the same? Over and over. Over and over and over, man. I know all the ins and outs to it. Some people say I'm a hacker, but I think I'm just too good. Can anybody compete with you on the team? Um, probably so. I'm pretty sure we got some guys in here that know how to play. Um, I haven't found it out yet, but I'm pretty sure it is. So you never challenge anybody? No, not yet. Not yet. I will, though. 
We should probably talk a little bit of football since, you know, you are a good football player and you're going to be very important to this defense. What have you liked the most about this defense through two weeks or so? Um, the way the defense is coming together. I mean, like I said, it's, it's a brand new team, man, new coordinator, new defense. we got new players on the defensive side, and it's, it's coming together how we want it to be. You know, everybody's meshing together and putting what they know all in one basket so we can all learn the same thing. So, I mean, I feel like we're we're getting that team camaraderie right now and it's helping us out right now on defense. Seems like you're around the ball every time I turn my head. Got to, man. That's that's the thing about our defense. It's putting us in positions to be around the ball. So, I mean, that's how we're going to get our opportunities to take the ball away from the offense and get our offense in good field position. As you continue to get older and older in this league, and you're not very old, you're still a very young player, but do you feel the game slowing down for you? Absolutely, man. That's... That's uh, that's the whole you know meaning behind this you know it's it's the knowledge you have and the wisdom that you have playing in, in the league for so many years now and playing football for so many years you know and it it slows down for you it, you understand it more and more each year so I feel like it's slowing down a little more um, like I said it's a brand new team brand new scheme brand new defense so uh, just keep working my craft and it's going to get better. How fearless do you have to be to return punts? Being a playmaker, man, having that heart and that confidence. It's more being having that confidence back there but then more than being fear. Just have the confidence to know, you know that you're going to make a play when you get the ball. So that's, that's, that's how I take it. Does that, that, how much does that translate to what you do as a corner, you know, as a defensive oh, back? Same way. As a defensive back, you got to have the confidence. Each and every down, you got to come in and, and approach, the, approach the play the same way you approached it the play before. So that same mindset, you got to have that demeanor about yourself, that swagger and that confidence to go out there and just, you know, do what you do best. You grew up in Detroit, played in Iowa, played in, you know, with the Chargers, the Titans. Now you're in Houston. It's hot. You seem fresh as lettuce. Doesn't look like it bothers oh, you at no, all. Oh, yeah, it did for a little bit, man. OTAs was rough for me, but I'm getting used to it, man. Uh, it's, it's heat, you know, it's going to be there. Um, we're going to have to play some places hotter than this, so might as well get used to it now. All right, last thing, what's the most underrated part at the city of Houston since you've been here? The most underrated part? I say the food, man. It's real, some really good food choices here. It's crazy. I never even thought of that. Got any favorites? Uh, I actually just came across a place this weekend. It's called Torchies. Never heard of it. First time ever. It was really good. Very good stuff. Yeah. All right. Desmond King likes tacos, right. likes breaking up passes, and we're glad you're with us. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. There's Desmond King, new defensive back. Going to play some nickel, I think. We'll see Saturday night against the Packers, 7 p.m., Sports Radio 610, ABC 13. Now, what about Rex Burkhead? We've heard from him before, but not the deep east to deep slant interview with Rex, a Texan. First of all, I have to say, you're such a Texas pro. You're covered head to toe. you got the sleeves, you got the leggings. I mean, what's it like being back playing in, in Texas? Yeah, it, it feels great. You know, grew up here, playing on Friday Night Lights, um, you know, just something about the state of Texas. So, um, yeah, just getting used to the heat again. You know, it's good to be out here flying around with guys and, uh, you know, getting better every single day. I say you're a pro because it takes a lot to wear it to be fully covered in the heat, but you know that it actually keeps you cooler. Some of us still can't do it. Rex, this running backs group is such a diverse one, a lot of versatility. Well, how, how much fun? <laughs> as you can see. You in your living room. Speaking of which, very diverse uh, running backs room. How, how fun has it been? It yeah. seems like it's been fun. Uh, it is a lot of fun. You know, a lot of veteran guys, of course, Mark, just right there in the interview, you know, always keep, keeping things light. You know, we love competing. We love going to work every single, single day together and uh, just making each other better. What about for you yourself, your skill set? You know, what do you think that you can bring to this offense? You do a lot both in the running and the passing game, but how do you think you can make this offense better? Yeah, just do whatever I can to help the team. Um, you know, use my versatility, uh, whether it's in the pass game, the run game, you know, blocking, whatever that is. Um, you know, just put myself in positions to help this team be successful. 
And on special teams, you've done so much in your career on special teams. And, and Frank Ross, special teams coordinator, said that you guys came from a similar coaching tree. I know you've never actually played for Frank Ross, but how much does that really help you in, in adjusting to the special teams? Yeah, you know, it definitely helps having some familiarity. And uh, he does a great job, you know, just te teaching the techniques, making sure we're on our little details, and uh, coming out here ready to go every single day. All right, so it's game week, preseason's coming up, especially for running backs to get the pads on and to actually have some game action and on special teams. How important is it going to be, and what are you looking for personally to accomplish in these preseason games? Yeah, you know, just making improvements, you know, whether that's from the first day or the second day in camp, and then going out there and executing. Um, you know, that's really when, you know, it shows what you're made of, show what you can do, and uh, getting out there and getting those live game reps and, uh, you know, seeing what we can do as a whole. All right, I see your little kids are running around here yeah, as well. How much fun have they had watching you at camp? Here. Oh, they, they love it. You know, last year with COVID and everything, they couldn't come out to practice. So this year they're out here running around. We're working on handoffs, tosses, and, uh, you know, they're having a great time. They're getting better every single day. Rex, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Texan Rex Burkhead grew up in the Plano area. What about Kiki QT? What's he been up to? The Red Raider, Texas Tech and UH, by the way, and the Texas kickoff coming up Labor Day weekend. But I had a chance to visit with Kiki after practice. Uh, a lot of different guys, a lot of new faces, um, still getting to know each other, but still bringing that, that same intensity, that same firework, same explosive offense. So we're just looking to get better every day. Is the system any different right now, or is it pretty much the same stuff you've been running, maybe an emphasis on some different things along the way? Uh, just emphasis on some things, a little different, a little new, some, you know what I'm saying? So just uh, working all into it, you know, just working through our game plan, what, what they have planned for us during the week. How did you like the offseason? How did it go for you? Uh, I went real good. Just uh, worked on my body a lot. Um, just trying to get back into playing football shape and just working on little mechanics here and there. How's the blocking part of being a receiver in this run game? Uh, it's very important. Uh, I'll say something we haven't uh, emphasized a lot in the past, but definitely this year more uh, helping our running backs out and uh, getting on the guys we're supposed to block. You know, that's the difference between 5 and 95. So just being able to get our blocks when we need to. What's the room like with some of these vets that have been added, and you also have the rookie Nico Collins? What's it like? A lot, a of, lot, of, a lot of the versatility, you know. But uh, having Brandon, Chris, and a lot of more older guys in that room brings a lot of experience. A lot of guys play a lot of ball, and for the young guys like Nico and Dame, you know, the guys just coming, you know, they bring a lot to this team as well. So, so far, we've seen what a lot of guys, what a lot of these guys can do. When you do that motion and that orbit motion, what's that like? Do you enjoy doing that kind of stuff? No, yeah, most definitely. Feel like you know, high school, college, all over again. So. Let's see how, how often we can use that in the game plan. What's the vibe like on the team, Kiki? How is it in the rooms, in the building, being around this squad as a whole? Uh, just it's different, it's different. You know, like I said, everybody's still getting used to each other, but a great team so far. You know, a lot of hardworking guys, a lot of guys want to get to one place, and so we're just all looking to get better once a day. All right, thanks a lot, Kiki. Good luck. Appreciate it. There's Kiki QT. I just can't get enough of that jet sweep, orbit motion type stuff, the razzle-dazzle, dipsy-doodle stuff in the backfield. Want to see much more of that this year. Yeah, you can run that stuff with Terod Taylor, no doubt. Davis Mills, Jeff Driscoll, they're good athletes too. It's going to be fun to watch Saturday night when the Texans take on the Packers. 7 o'clock, live on Sports Radio 610 and ABC 13. Have I reminded you about that enough? Look, we all got to check it out together. We'll be at Lambeau Field bringing you all all the action and more action on Wednesday night as Johnny Harris is back and we'll go over everything we see in practice and get you ready for Green Bay. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.